now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. It is Thursday morning, and there is an amazing slate of games coming up this week in Week 10 of the NFL. Somehow it is Week 10, and I use the word amazing very loosely because there are some really crappy games coming up as well in Week 10. But that is not what we're here to talk about first. We're here to talk about the fun ones and the Patriots-Titans matchup coming up this Sunday at Blissfully 1 p.m. and not 8.30 p.m., and I could not be happier about that. (laughs) Rich, how are you, man? Oh, I am doing so well. I can't believe it's already week 10 of the season. That blows my mind. And I mean, of course, we shouldn't be too shocked. We always knew coming into this year that at week 10, Patriots would be 7-2. and two. You know, their star running back, Cordero Patterson, your star wide receiver, Josh Gordon. I mean, <laughs> you knew that this was going to be how the Patriots season played out, right? I mean, wait, wait, excuse me, what? Cordell Patterson? Wait, Alec, is this right? Is Cordell Patterson our good star running back? Port, port, sports analysis is like being a weatherman. You just say whatever you want, and if you're wrong, you pretend, well, what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> and it's amazing that people listen to anything we have to say, Rich, and they tune to this <laughs> podcast. I'm glad you guys do. We love you. We appreciate our fans and listeners, but nobody has any clue what's going on. Oh, yeah. Well, hopefully we'll be right at the end of this one with our game predictions. But before we do Patriots-Titans, let's first go around the league, then talk about a few of the roster moves that the Patriots have made so far. Uh, But around the league, Week 10, few games of interest for the Patriots. So let's start within the AFC East. This one should be a quick game to review. You got the 2-7 and Bills on the road against 3-6 Jets. Alec, put your best salesman hat on. Can you sell me this game? Yes, I can, Rich, and here's how. The Bills are coming to the New York Jets. They're going to be in New Jersey, and the Bills Mafia travels well. Jets fans are rowdy. Bills fans are rowdy. Bills fans, Jets fans, I'm going to vent you guys a drinking game, all right? Every time there's a first down, you take a shot. You'll be sober by halftime. Don't worry about it. <laughs> anytime, there's a, anytime there's a ridiculous penalty, like too many men on the field or, or false start or illegal formation, you take a sip of your beer. If anytime there's a field goal, you take another sip of your beer. It'll be about three to six total final game, maybe. That's probably <laughs> six to three. Um, and uh, if Peterman does not throw a pick, I think that's really why you watch, right? I think you're watching Bill's football at this point for Nathan Peterman and to see if his pick six streak will continue. And I say he breaks it this week, does not throw one against the Jets. Oh, you have such high hopes for him, man. I, I do. Mean, this is the the 11th week bye could not come faster for these AFC East teams because this Bills team has lost four out of four in a row, I should say. They haven't topped 13 points since week three. They threw zero against the Packers, 13 against the Titans, and somehow one. Keep that in mind as the Patriots play the Titans this week. Uh, 13 against the Texans, five? Somehow against the Colts, that's a football score. Six against the Patriots and then nine against the Bears. This Bills team is atrocious on offense. But you can also just kind of look at the the Jets, too, because outside of their three ridiculous wins where somehow they put up 48 against the Lions, 34 against the Broncos, and 42 against the Colts, 
they've put up 17 or fewer points in all six of their losses. You know, 17, 17, 12, 12, 10, and 6. So this is not going to be an offensive showdown. This is going to be a, you know, we'll call it a defensive struggle. It's going to be some good <laughs> old-fashioned November football, and it's going to be pretty bad. It is going to be the worst football game this week. Which is why we should immediately stop talking about it, lest we get dumber by the minute. <laughs> However, I want to stay in the AFC East for you for a second. The Packers just lost the Patriots on the road in Foxborough. They're now hosting another AFC East team, the Miami Dolphins, who won another stinker against the Jets last week. Only one touchdown scored in that game, a defensive pick six off Sam Darnold. Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are 3-4-1. and one. If they have any chance for a postseason berth, they have to get their act together and continue to win at home. They're pretty good at home. I think the Dolphins are a very much an overachieving team. I don't think they're a five-win team. Their talent doesn't really dictate it. How do you see this game going out, Rich? I, I expect the Packers to rebound and win this one in pretty much a blowout, something in the high 30s to low teens sort of affair. You look at the Dolphins' past six games, they're 2-4, and four, sure. They won an overtime game against the Bears, and then they won that snoozer against the Jets. They were demolished by the Patriots, demolished by the Bengals, demolished by the Lions, demolished by the Texans. I expect the Packers to join that list of teams that just absolutely demolished the Dolphins because they're not a good team. They're not a very good team. Brock Osweiler's been their quarterback. He has been supremely mediocre. And you compare him to Ryan Tannehill, they're actually the exact same. Uh, Brock Osweiler, for all his ordinariness, you know, that's a good word, uh, he is 91.1 passer rating. Ryan Tannehill has a 92.9, so no matter when Ryan Tannehill returns, he's not going to be the answer. It's just not how it's going to work. Their lead receiver, Danny Amendola, love him, not a number one receiver. Top running back is, I believe, 30,000-year-old running back Frank Gore, potentially. You know, congratulations on moving up, passing Barry Sanders and yards from scrimmage. Great for him, but this is not a good Dolphins team. Their defense, apparently their star defensive back, Rashad Jones, got benched and kind of is unhappy right now. He had to sit down with the head coach trying to sort it out, but never a good sign when that's going on. This is a Dolphins team in turmoil against a Packers team that really needs to get a win. I trust the Packers to do it and send the Dolphins back to 500 at 5-5. Five and five. Yeah, I'm with you. I can't imagine the Packers losing at home to the Dolphins, especially in November. The cold-weather team, warm-weather team just doesn't add up. The math doesn't add up. Uh, two more games I'll talk about real quick, Rich. How about tonight's game? This is probably one of the games of the week, and I'm really sad it's happening on Thursday night before either team has had a chance to really rest or recover or install a game plan or be ready to play a game. But them's the breaks. Tonight's game, the Steelers are hosting the Panthers. The Panthers are kind of just on fire right now. They're playing really, really well. Greg Olson's back healthy. McCaffrey's running the ball well. Newton's throwing the ball well. Steelers coming off a pretty big win over the Baltimore Ravens, getting themselves back into it. How is this game going? Well, it's going to be tough for the the Panthers because they are currently one and three, or sorry, they're two and uh, one and two, uh, sorry, one and two on the road. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles, sure, but they lost to Washington. They lost to the Falcons. So, while they've been a very very good team this year, particularly at home, they haven't necessarily traveled as well. But Cam Newton's in the middle of one of his best seasons. Christian McCaffrey is a complete weapon out of the backfield. He's exceptional, and you know. Cam Newton does what he does. He makes other average receivers look really, really good. DJ Moore, Devin Funches, not saying that they're average, but they're young, and so they're still developing. This is a very good Carolina Panthers team, and they're facing this Steelers team that, I don't know, 
are they good? Hey, they're five, two, and one. They're currently the three seed in the AFC. They've won four in a row. They've beaten the Falcons, who are like pretty okay. They beat the Bengals, who are also in the playoff picture, and then the Browns and the Ravens. Uh, is this a good Steelers team? They tied the Browns in Week One. That seems like forever ago. James Conner, great. Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, Vance McDonald, Jesse James. They have a lot of good pieces in that offense. It's the defense that's really the question mark. Can Cam Newton take advantage of them? This is good. This is honestly probably the game to watch this week. I agree. Should be interesting. And again, I wish I could glean more out of it because it's a Thursday night game and it's just always pretty sloppy. But I think the Steelers take this one as well. They're good at home. James Conner's been a godsend for this team. That Le'Veon Bell holdout really backfired, but what can you do? Last game I want to talk about before we get on to other things going on in Patriots Nation, Saints-Bengals, Rich. The Saints are a very good team. Just took out the St. Louis Rams at home, 45-35. to 35. Bengals coming off the bye. They are at home. This is an interesting game. The Bengals, as usual, shockingly, can't make a read on them one way or another. They look good. They look bad. They're up and down all over the place. Saints should handle this one, but at Cincinnati, you never know. Yeah. I mean, I I feel – I hope I'm not going to eat these words afterwards. I feel like I trust the New Orleans Saints infinitely more than I trust the Cincinnati (laughs) Bengals in any capacity. This is a Bengals team, sure. Uh, They're 5-3, and so they're not the, the worst team in the league. But, I mean, they've lost, what, two out of their past three. They've lost to the good teams that they've faced, pretty much. Let's say it that way. That's that's how we'll frame it. They lost to the Panthers. They lost to the Steelers. They lost to the Chiefs. Those are the best three teams they've played. They've lost to all of them. They've beat the Colts. They're mediocre. They beat the Ravens. They're mediocre. They beat the Falcons and the Dolphins and the Bucks. They're mediocre to bad. The Saints fall into that very good category. And so I expect the, the New Orleans Saints to just handle it, do very, very well, potentially win in a blowout, sends the Bengals down to 5-4. and four. And this is a Bengals team that's competing for the top point in the AFC North. I just don't see it happening. They are dealing with an injury to wide receiver A.J. Green. So it, it, the pieces just aren't in place for the Bengals to really do too much damage against the Saints. No, I'm with you. Again, it's probably the Steelers division to lose again, but the Bengals will make a game of it. At least I hope so, because they're coming up a bye week. They've had two weeks to prep for the Saints. Should be interesting to watch. And the Saints could be having some letdown game after that massively emotional win over the Rams. That's definitely a real thing, a hangover from the game before. So we'll see what happens there. I'm pulling for the Saints. They're our NFC sister team, so good for them. Patriots are playing the Titans this coming Sunday. However, Rich, before we get to that game, some interesting moves have been taking place around New England. The trade deadline's come and gone, but that has not stopped Bill Belichick from adding some depth on the defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, so Bill Belichick and the Patriots have made some pretty interesting moves this week to kind of bolster and bring in some depth as they head down the final stretch. First big move is that they added Obi Melfonwu to the defensive back room. I hope I pronounced that correctly. He is a strong safety, but I would not be surprised if they asked him to kind of play a linebacker defensive back role that is similar to what Nate Ebner has done in the past. Melfonwu was a second round pick in the 2017 NFL draft. He was the biggest athlete. I actually think that he has a chance to be the most athletic player on the Patriots roster right now now he's an absolute beast and he's young so if the Patriots can develop him to be anywhere close to the player that they expected him to be coming out of the draft they will have just found a steal he was drafted by the Oakland Raiders who released him because he had been injured 
and because the Oakland Raiders just, I don't even know what they're doing. I don't think anyone does. So OB has a lot of talent. Patriots decided to land him. He's a Connecticut kid from Massachusetts. So he's playing for his hometown team. That probably gave New England a bit of an advantage. And then the Patriots also added linebacker Albert McClellan to the, the room, probably to help out a little bit as Dante Hightower is dealing with his, you know, relatively minor injury as well as Nicholas Grigsby dealing with his he's 32 years old he's not a young guy he's played his entire career with the Baltimore Ravens he was released by them on October 30th most recently he's a pretty solid guy he I mean he can play pretty much all the linebacker positions for the Patriots he also plays a little bit on the special teams bit so he's a a solid veteran depth that you can plug and play day one so that's nice to have in order to add him to the team, though, Patriots placed Brian Schwenke on injured reserve. They cut Cole Croston, and, uh, you know, they, they just are feeling like they're in a good position for the final stretch because we also have to remember that Duke Dawson has to be activated from the injured reserve. He's been practicing the past few weeks. I believe November 13th is the deadline, and he should return soon. Uh, the Patriots also released Geno Grissom to to add an extra roster spot and i think those are all the moves that happened this week there's been a lot and there probably could be more to come i'm not wrong has rex burkhead been practicing as well rich uh he has not been practicing he has been in the locker room that's it all right so he i don't believe he's eligible uh or actually he should be eligible to practice in a week or two uh but yeah he's currently been seen in the the practice room Got it. Well, again, the interesting moves around. I like the Melifonwu signing, um, not because I have to write and spell it now and figure that out. That stinks. However, uh, I think in terms of a coverage of line, coverage of tight ends and backs, kind of a Patrick Chung role, I think he could be really good. A big guy, like you said, 6'4", 205, 208 pounds. He's a very physical guy, athletic freak. Not used well in Oakland. You may remember him, Patriots fans, as being the guy that got completely smoked on the 60-some-odd-yard Brandon Cooks touchdown uh, against Oakland last year. That's kind of his highlight against the Patriots. But I think he's one of those players that's kind of like a like a athletic guy that never quite managed to make it work, a Barkevious Mingo type who just didn't really get a good coaching and didn't really get utilized to the best of his ability. I'm not sure how immediately he'll be a contributor, but I feel like maybe if tight ends have been an issue where the Patriots have struggled this season, which they have, he may be able to come in on the kind of tight end coverage packages and give Chung a bit of a, a bit of a spell because he's the guy that I see doing that. I agree. I don't think that McClellan's much more than the special team stand out at this point, maybe some depth in, in, a, in a pinch, but he's no Jonathan Freeney, and I'm happy about that. Overall, nothing's going to really – shake the earth with these moves, but good moves nonetheless. And as Bill has proved time and time again, they are pretty solid. And if you disagree, look no farther than another defensive back that we were talking about very highly, Malcolm Butler, who now plays on the Tennessee Titans, who the Patriots are playing this Sunday. He is having a bear of a season. And I mean that in a bad way. He's not doing that well, Rich. Uh, Malcolm Butler is in the midst of a terrible, awful, no good, very bad year. And according to head coach Mike Vrabel, he's not going to bench Malcolm Butler. He thinks he's in transition for a few of the different techniques that they're trying to coach him. But whatever they're doing is just not working. Malcolm Butler has been exposed. He currently is last in the league for defensive back and yards allowed, touchdowns allowed, I believe receptions. He is just being picked on week in and week out. And if you look at the matchups, let's start talking about Patriots versus Titans right now. Malcolm Butler, if you're Mike Vrabel, 
He's playing opposite of Adoree Jackson as well as Logan Ryan. I expect Logan Ryan to get Julian Edelman coming in out of the slot. But you get Adoree Jackson or Malcolm Butler. How are you going to cover Josh Gordon and Chris Hogan if you're the Titans? Yeah, I mean, basically I think what you do is you get Deion Lewis to be a defensive back. You put him on Malcolm Butler's shoulders, and maybe together <laughs> they can they can follow him. Other than that, you know, like their their secondary of the tech, it's funny you you mentioned we were talking before the the podcast went on the air, Rich, how the Titans are actually were the number one defense uh, in terms of points against in the league. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. They rank number one somehow, some way. I'm still yeah. not quite sure how. It's remarkable because I'm looking at their secondary. Logan Ryan is a good corner. Uh, Malcolm Butler is a bad corner, at least this year. Other than that, there are some games that got names that probably no one's really heard of. Adoree Jackson, Kenneth, Kenneth Durden, LaShawn Sims, Dane Kirk, Kirkshank. These guys these aren't household names. You know these guys if you follow football. But these aren't shutdown corners. And Josh Gordon's going to be an issue. We've got Philip Dorsett, Gronkowski. I don't know what his status is as of this podcast. James White, the receiving back. They're just coverage mismatches all over the field for this Titans team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the, the Titans' safeties are a little bit better. Kevin Byard was an all-pro. He's their free safety. He had the interception against the Cowboys last week. And so he's going to be relied on a lot, right? I mean, if you have Logan Ryan against Julian Edelman, I don't know. I, I love Logan Ryan. I think he's very good. I think Julian Edelman will win just as many as Logan Ryan does in that matchup. And so I'm projecting, you know, like a 50-60 yard game for Edelman. Nothing game-changing, but, you know, pretty good for both sides. Josh Gordon, though, I mean... If I am the Tennessee Titans, I am keeping Malcolm Butler as far away as possible. But then also, I'm like, I don't want him going against Chris Hogan because Malcolm Butler's biggest vulnerability has always been the fact that he bites on double moves. And you're just going to send Chris Hogan over the top with double move after double move after double move. And you're not going to have Josh Gordon on an island with Adoree Jackson or Malcolm Butler, right? I mean, Josh Gordon has a six-inch advantage of height over Malcolm Butler. So that's just asking for trouble. Uh, So you're not going to do that on an island. You're going to have to designate a safety over the top. Someone is going to have to get single one-on-one coverage against Chris Hogan. And this could very well be the game that Chris Hogan breaks out for the Patriots offense. Here's hoping. Then we talked about in our last podcast that we've been kind of a ghost and the game plan hasn't really necessitated him doing too much for the offense. And it makes sense in that respect that this could be his, his day to shine. Staying with the receivers, though, Rich, or maybe I'm staying with the receivers. I don't really know. Cordero Patterson is now going to be shifted back out to receiver. All signs point to Sony Michelle at least suiting up for this game. Hopefully he won't see too many snaps because he, I'd rather him wait till after the bye week, get fully healthy, and come back for the home stretch. But Adam Schefter has him very likely to play this week. Do you see Cordero Patterson still taking snaps as running back, or is it back to being kind of a gadget receiver and, and trick play guy? Yeah, well, the fact that ESPN Fantasy Football has finally allowed people to put Cordero Patterson at running back means that Bill Belichick's going to go all hipster and be like, oh, you know, He's too mainstream now to be a running back. Let's <laughs> let's use him back as that gadget player. Maybe they'll start using him at tight end. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see how Kroc does. Maybe that's where we'll see Patterson next. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't expect Patterson to have the same role this week as he did in weeks past. I also don't expect the Patriots to throw Sony Michelle back into the deep end if, in his first game back. I expect there to be a little bit of transition, get his feet wet, go into the bye week, get ready for the, the final stretch of the season. And so... 
Cordell Patterson probably will still get five to 10 touches this week. Maybe he'll see more time as a receiver. Maybe I would love to see this, particularly in the red zone where the Patriots have had some trouble. I would love to see some two back sets with both Patterson and James White in the backfield. Give defenses just a total nightmare of a headache. You can flex either of them out, keep either of them in the backfield, just get whatever matchup you want. That's what I would do if I were Josh McDaniels and just trying to figure out how we can get Cordero Patterson involved because he's shown over the past couple of weeks that if you can just get him the ball in the hands, he's going to make something happen. He's going to be productive, and so he deserves to get a few touches every single game just to get that positive yardage that he's super consistent at getting. If you are McDaniels, Rich, are you running the ball a lot this game, or are you shooting more of the, the passing games, targeting that, that secondary we talked about where there's a little, little bit more coverage mismatches? Because I'm thinking about Jarrell Casey. He's a beast. I'm thinking about those guys up front for the, the Titans, and it seems like maybe this game, unlike the Green Bay game where they're a little more susceptible to the run, this might be more of an aerial attack to attack a weaker area of the defense. Yeah, I mean, you, you're hitting it on the head right there. I think that this Titans defense is very good. Uh, from a talent perspective, they are average overall as far as football outsiders is concerned, just like complete middle of the pack average as it gets. Uh, they are slightly above average in run defense. They're slightly below average in pass defense. So you look at their defensive front, they have two pretty productive linebackers. You got Jayon Brown and Wesley Woodyard. One's very old, one's very young, but they're good. They can do it all. They have very talented defensive interior guys, Jarrell Casey, Daquan Jones. They have a super productive rookie in Harold Landry who's producing off of the edge. Uh, so they got pieces up front. If I'm the Patriots, I'm going to say I'm going to challenge the either the young linebacker in Jayon Brown or the old linebacker in Wesley Woodyard. James White is, again, going to be super productive out of the backfield. And honestly... If Rob Gronkowski comes back, that'll just be a offensive breaker. But, I mean, I don't expect too much from the Patriots' run game, especially with Sonny Michel in his first game back. And my X factor is actually going to be Chris Hogan because this is the time that he has to step up, he has to emerge, because he's not going to get a more favorable matchup than this one. Here's hoping. I'd like to see Chris Hogan find his, his groove a little bit He's and do more than just block downfield for receivers and running backs because that's what he's been doing mostly in this season. I think I had Chris Hogan as my X-Factor last week against the Packers. He did nothing, so hopefully he has better luck as your X-Factor, Rich. God's <laughs> Godspeed. I'm actually going to go on the offensive line and go with David Andrews as my offensive X-Factor this year, this week. Excuse me. Uh, he missed a couple of blocks. There was a blitz that he should have double teamed for, for Ted Karras against the Packers. It's going to be I'm pretty sure he's probably going to be lining up against Jarrell Casey um, at the tackle position, and that's going to be a very interesting match. But I'm sure he'll get help, but he's got to have a, a solid day, a lot ready to step up in the pocket. So I'm going with Andrews for my X-Factor. I like that. I like that. The offensive line never gets enough credit, and especially if Shaq Mason's availability is in jeopardy. David Andrews is going to have an even bigger role on that interior with the communication, with kind of picking up where Shaq Mason usually just goes over the top because Ted Karras has done a very, very good job, but Shaq Mason's one of the best guards in the the entire league so i like that pick i like that pick i think that the titans defense has some talent they have some pieces there that can win their one-on-one -on -one matchups ultimately i think that the patriots have more and it'll be overwhelming uh but we should look at the other side of the ball because i don't think the same thing holds true uh, the the tennessee titans offense is really really uh hashtag not good they <laughs> rank 29th in the league out of 32 mind you in points per game 
They put up 12 against the Bills, 0 against the Ravens, 19 against the Chargers. They put up 28 this past Monday night against the Cowboys, and that helped them tremendously. What are your thoughts when you look at this Tennessee Titans offense, and do you think that they'll be able to be productive against the Patriots? You know, it's funny, man. As a pretty diligent football fan, as somebody who follows football pretty closely and is pretty up-to-date on transactions and player history and whatnot, if you ask me to name the Tennessee Titans receiving core, I don't think I could do it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I, know, I know Darius Jennings is a second-year guy. I know Taewon Taylor is a second-year guy. But other than that, I'm looking at this roster, Cameron Batson, Corey Davis. You know, I, I know that they just don't have any real weapons that aren't named Deion Lewis. And I think Deion Lewis is having a down year because he just he just is. The Titans are one of those teams. I kind of forget they're even existing. They forget they're around. <laughs> they're just they're just kind of there. You know, you know, they're in the NFC South or AFC South somewhere. You play them every once in a while. And. I, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I, I wish Mike Vrabel all the best as their coach, obviously, but there's there's nobody on this offense outside of Deion Lewis, with whom I have a history that I am remotely scared of. Yeah, and if you point to the pieces that they have, Deion Lewis currently leads the Titans in yards and scrimmage. He is 598, so he's a hair below 600. Number three on their list is also running back Derrick Henry, so they're not going to be on the field at the same time. You look at the receiving weapons. Corey Davis, top receiver, he was a first-round pick. 455 yards from scrimmage this year, only one touchdown. If I'm the Patriots, you just say, all right, Stephon Gilmore, go out there, do your thing. TJ Sharp, former UMass guy, number two receiver for them, 238 receiving yards. Taewon Taylor, their slot guy, 214 yards. This is not an uber-productive offense in any way that you want to cut it and the Patriots you know go down the line they're better right I mean hat on a hat I take Stephon Gilmore over Corey Davis easily I take Devin or Jason McCourty over TJ Sharp easily I take Jonathan Jones over Taewon Taylor easily their tight end John Smith right now I don't know I mean they don't have a lot of depth, so Patrick Chung will be plenty available to help out in the box to defend Deion Lewis or Derrick Henry, like whichever running back they have on the field. So if I'm the Patriots, if I'm Brian Flores, I'm coming out there saying, Stephon Gilmore, do your thing against Corey Davis. We're going to focus the rest of our defensive attention at making sure that the running backs don't do any damage, making sure that Marcus Mariota doesn't escape from the pocket. We're going to focus our energy on the backfield. And then you know what? If if they can beat us with Jonu Smith against Patrick Chung, then you don't deserve to win. But hat on a hat, Patriots have an advantage everywhere you look. So is this one of those games, Rich, where they quote-unquote take away your best weapon and force them to beat you otherwise, or are they kind of just more like playing the overpower you defense and good luck beating you with our, our, our 12th option? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, would you dedicate additional help to defending Corey Davis or add a, like another defensive back to help cover Deion Lewis out of the backfield? Because, I mean, you you can stay big enough up front with your four-man line. You got your Lawrence Guy, Danny Shelton, Malcolm Brown. You got your Trey Flowers, Adrian Claiborne, Dietrich Wise, Kyle Van Noy, Dante. You're big enough up front that you can stop the run. They're not talented enough from a depth perspective to make you say, oh, we need to have five defensive backs on the field at all times, even if you want to. So there isn't going to be a size advantage for the the Titans if they put Deion Lewis on the field because, I mean, the Patriots can just put a defensive back and say, Patrick Chung, just make sure Deion Lewis isn't a receiver. I, it's just uh, it's a chess match here where however you slice and dice it, 
I see the Patriots coming out on top. Especially given the fact that the Patriots played another mobile quarterback last week in Aaron Rodgers and did a phenomenal job containing him, limiting his rushing ability. And Marcus Mariota is no Aaron Rodgers in any sense of the comparison. So if they can keep Aaron Rodgers in the pocket and limit the damage he could do with his legs setting the play, they should have a much easier time with Marcus Mariota. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And so who would your X-factor be for the Patriots defense? Who's going to have to really step up here? Yeah, I'm going to go with Kyle Van Noy. I think Kyle Van Noy had a phenomenal game against the Packers, limiting Aaron Rodgers. He's a good lateral spy quarterback, spy linebacker, excuse me. I think he does the exact same thing against Marcus Mariota. I don't think that he needs to really focus in on one particular player. I don't think he's going to be assigned to one particular guy, maybe the middle of the zone. And if Marcus Mariota starts to scramble, just kind of attack him and go downhill on it. So as long as Kyle Van Noy can keep Marcus Mariota in front of him and limit his plays with his legs, it should be a very long day for the young quarterback. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I was going to stay with the defensive front as well, just because there's so many other reasons that the Patriots are going to have to defend up front. You know, whether it's Deion Lewis or Derrick Henry or Marcus Mariota, the game will be won by how the Patriots can contain this Tennessee Titans defensive backfield, or sorry, offensive backfield with the Patriots defense. And so I was going to go with Lawrence Guy. He had a great game against the Green Bay Packers, got a little bit of revenge on that team that picked him in the seventh round, got that fumble that really turned the tide of the game. Lawrence Guy has been the Patriots' best defensive tackle all year. He should be able to do this again against the Tennessee Titans. I would love to see that, but the entire Patriots defensive front could be the X factor. I'm going to pick out Lawrence Guy specifically, but the game will be won if the Patriots can keep Deion Lewis contained, keep Derrick Henry and Marcus Mariota. If they can prevent them from getting out of that backfield, Patriots should win this one pretty easily. Well, as there are some bold words, Rich, which is as good a time as any to transition into predictions. Last week, I had the Green Bay Packers beating the Patriots on a last-second field goal, 31-29. Boy, is my face red. You had the <laughs> Patriots winning 33-25, pretty close to the actual final score. So congratulations to you. You've now won the last two straight. So good work. We're fairly even on the year. I'm looking back over the predictions and who's going to win. I think we've been pretty good overall. I've got one, two, three, four. You've got one, two, three, four. So right now we are totally tied. It's interesting. And we both lost big time with the Lions games. That's why we're at we're at four and four. So <laughs> Patriots at Tennessee, one PM. Thank goodness. It is no more primetime game from here on out. You get the honors, who you got? Okay, so I'm looking at the odds here, the, the Vegas betting spreads, and somehow the Patriots are only seven point favorites. And I find that incredibly low, right? I mean the Patriots have been crushing the spread week after week after week. And they come in with a seven-point spread here. I am very surprised. I, I don't know if they're having a super high expectations for the Titans or they expect the Patriots to come out lackluster. I expect the Patriots to come out and be completely fine on offense with or without Gronkowski, with or without Sony Michel. Sure, I mean, Mike Vrabel, good for him. I mean, Dean Pease, the Patriots know the weaknesses of this defense. They know what the pieces are. I expect the Patriots to come out and be able to put up another 30 points. And I know that no team has been able to do that against this Titans defense. They do rank first in points allowed, but we thought the same thing against the Chicago Bears and the Patriots were able to put up 38 on them. So, I mean, the, the Patriots, maybe they'll get a special team score. Maybe they'll get a defensive score. I think the Patriots will get 32 points. I look at this Titans offense and just think that it is not impressive one bit. I'm expecting a fairly similar, you know, 32-17 game that's almost close to what they did against the Packers. 32-17 Patriots, got it. Yeah, I have the Pats winning this one as well. 
I just don't see them going to Tennessee and, and laying an egg there. I don't think Titans are at Tennessee is a very difficult place to play. The only real kind of X factor for Tennessee is the Mike Vrabel connection, the former coach, the former player going up against his, his old guru that sometimes galvanizes players and teams. And there's a couple former Patriots on that team that would love to win this game. So maybe they get really up for that and they sneak something out. But I don't see it happening from a team perspective. I don't think the Pats hit 30 points. I think they have been a little sluggish to start and they've turned down to the end. I don't think it's going to be a massacre all the way through. They definitely cover the spread. I agree with you there. But I think the Patriots score 24 points, and it's 24-7 to late, and the Titans get a garbage-time touchdown to make a 24-14 game. Ooh, I like that. That's also a fair one. Uh, but, yeah, we'll have a more preview of Patriots-Titans on the website, patspulpit.com. We'll have our in-game updates and reviews and highlights that we'll be posting on the website. Follow us on Twitter at Pat's Pulpit, and we'll have post-game review afterwards. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on Week 10 of the NFL season? Unbelievable. <laughs> How great is it going to be to post the post-game review at 4 p.m. this week? Oh, I am going to just take a nap afterwards. I am thrilled. <laughs> and then it's the bye week. This is our bye yeah. week starts early, yes. and I cannot be more excited. Alec, until next time, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Later, man. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>